Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam, and today with me, I have the one and only Kyle with Higher Heights Fitness out of Brexville, Ohio. Kyle, how are you doing today? Good. I'm doing good, Adam. How are you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, you know, as a, as a fellow Midwestern, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we talked earlier, the weather's looking pretty good over there, so. Yeah, believe it or not, 67 and sunny in Ohio. Can't can't complain in February. That's right. A L- little bit of sunshine, get out of the gray skies. Oh, yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, let's go right on in, you know, go ahead and give our listeners a little bit about who you are. <clears throat> you know, maybe some experiences or, you know, passions that led you ultimately to opening up Higher Heights Fitness? Yeah, so my background grew up playing sports. Um, I ended up going to Ashland University, a small Division II school in uh, Ohio, played collegiate football for uh, two years, um, dealt with some injuries, which made me kind of really focus on um, the education behind um, just the body, went to school for exercise science, um, Transferred to the University of Cincinnati. That's where I finished my uh, four-year degree um, in the health and fitness industry. Became a personal trainer throughout college. Um, so I helped pay for the bills through college. Um, so I became a personal trainer at 20. Um, worked for multiple gyms. Also moved out to Arizona. Personal trained a little bit out there. Um, and then moved back to Ohio at 24 years old. Decided to open up my one-on-one uh, personal training business. Um, and since then, March 1st will mark two years. So just shy of two years opening there and got a full staff of seven trainers, um, staying busy doing like 30 to 40 one-on-one personal training sessions a day and continuing to grow and help people in every way we can. Awesome, man. Love that. Congrats to, you know, uh, turning some tough times into some, some great rewards for the, for the time being, um, so, you know, with, with, with Higher Heights Fitness, you know, I want a little context here. You know, we, we spoke prior to this and we have a little bit in common, you know, you being right next to an Orange Theory, how is, now obviously they're more group, you're more private. How is, how is that dynamic? Having the Orange Theory there and having your people there, is there, is there like some conflicts and competition? Are you guys good friends? Like kind of walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So really, I don't see it as competition. Um, we do two totally different things. Like you said, um, they're going to be your group class, high intensity, more cardio based. Um, as we're us, we really like to take a step back. We do, we focus on uh, functional training. So, you know, the everyday movements, we don't really have machines. It's strictly just free weights, kettlebells, um, resistance bands. Um, and then it's one-on-one. So the, um, power is kind of in the client, what they're looking for. We want to keep, uh, keep, keep them on their toes, keep them interested, um, keep them motivated. Um, and we're able to work with a lot of different types of clientele. Um, one big thing with us is all of my trainers have a college degree and certification. So we're very educated, um, in the area, um, to where we're working with clients with hip replacements, knee replacements. Um, we have a client with Parkinson's ladies with MS, um, leg amputee, um, and then high school athletes. Um, so we really deal with it all and we're able to kind of tailor to just about everyone, which really sets us apart. Um, so when it comes to competition, they're really not, um, obviously they have 
way more being a small business. They have way more access to marketing, um, getting their name out there. Everyone knows Orange Theory. Um, but if you're new to the area, you don't know Higher Heights Fitness. Um, so most of, most of the time, we're kind of getting clients that aren't interested in them anymore. And they come next door to us. And um, they don't really take anyone from us because we've built a very strong community, kind of a family-based um, place. It's private, so you get very, very personal with these clientele. Um, so we even try to get our clients to go to Orange Theory if they need to really focus on cardio because that's not what we spend our time with our clients doing. We primarily focus on the functional um, strength movements. Awesome, man. That's cool. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's almost, I wouldn't say in your favor, but kind of everybody's going to try the big, you know, group fitness first and, you know, being an orange theory person myself for years and years and years, you know, sometimes people are going to want to do maybe something a little different and then yep. bam, walk right next door. You got higher heights fitness. Yep. Yeah. And they do very similar things. Orange theory is obviously very great at building a community. Um, you see people outside of their gym talking after classes, hanging out, talking for a while, grabbing a smoothie at a smoothie place right next door. And I, we try to build the same exact community. Um, so love their business model, everything they do. And that's why we can kind of feed off of each other a little bit. Can't say that we necessarily like go out of our way to help each other out, but um, there's no bad blood. We say what's up to their trainers. Their trainers say what's up to us. It world goes around. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, cool. Well, I love that. Um, so kind of diving more into the higher heights fitness, you know, business model and things like that, obviously, you know, one-on-one training, um, you know, a couple of years ago, what, what for you, what's kind of been, you know, you were at a, if, if, if this is the right corporate location prior doing things like that, you know, what's, what's been the biggest difference, you know, being on the w2 side to now being an employer yeah um so i've worked for probably six different gyms and so i've got to see a bunch of different models um college internships and everything i just got to see it got exposed to so many different things got to personal train out west in arizona midwest out here in ohio cincinnati um so i kind of just took everything and kind of took everything i thought worked and made it my own um, where, yeah, it's focused on the one-on-one -on -one training kind of, that's our money maker for the studio. Um, that's our bread and butter. Um, and then it's focusing on, um, the things outside of that and getting those to grow with the one-on-one -on -one personal training. Um, so I've learned, um, all of my trainers are W2 employees. Um, there's a lot of places that will 1099 their, uh, trainers, but I find them being employees of the company, they're a little bit more motivated to help the company grow. Um, and that's something I really advocate for is not looking at my employees as employees and eating up payroll. Um, I'm looking at my employees as investors in the company and as an investment as a whole. They're the ones that um, are doing the day-to-day -day operations, talking to the clients, working with the clients, keeping the clients happy. Um, so my main focus is keeping the employees happy. Um, see a lot of turnaround with personal trainers. I've been fortunate enough to have all my trainers since day one. Um, and they've all grown with me since I've opened. Um, so building that just family feel with the employees and the clients goes a very, very long way. That's awesome, man. Congrats. Love yeah. that. It, turnover ever since COVID, you know, I feel 
it's just been different. There's just been a different dynamic and, you know, for the most part, nobody wants to work or, you know, there's a select few that, you know, do, and, you know, it's, it's been hard for a lot of gym owners and things like that. So, um, curious to dive into that a little bit more here in a little bit. Um, but you know, just for, for, um, context, you know, how big is your square footage and about how many clients do you have? You know, obviously you're W2'd with the trainers, so they kind of have like their clientele group, but like out of everybody, you know, how many, you know, members or people clientele do you have? Yeah. Um, so we have a smaller space. We're private, so we don't really need the space. Our spaces are equivalent to a typical person's probably basement gym. Um, so it's pretty much, you have your own home gym. Um, our square footage is just about 1300 square feet. Um, we have three individual rooms. Um, so yeah, we're able, I've, three trainers that work from five thirty take their first sessions at five 30 in the morning. Their, uh, their schedule ended about 1 PM. And then I got a new set of three trainers coming in from one to about 9 PM. Um, so they're on set schedules, which is really nice. Um, and yeah, so all of our clients that work with all seven of my trainers or some of them work with just one specifically, um, we do team meetings to make sure that we're on track with everything, uh, communicating within the team to making sure um, clients' programs are how they should be and everything. Um, our active clients, which means they're coming in at least once a week. Um, we have 104 active clients, which means they're coming in weekly. Um, and total, we have, I would say, about 150 total act, um, clients that have come in in the last month. Um, so continuing to grow year one, we went from, um, probably about 90 to hundred year two, we're at about that 150 mark, um, with the retention of most of our clients coming in about two times per week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Um, so let's dive in a little deeper about your coaching structure and program, you know, with, yeah. with your, your trainers, um, to clarify, how is each program set? Is it a model based on your vision of like what you want the trainers to teach? Or is it more of a, a dynamic where they bring in their strengths and, and you guys kind of brainstorm, you know, walk me through that. Um, yeah, it's kind of a little bit mix of both. Um, I have a hundred percent trust in every single one of my trainers that they know what they're doing. They're educated. Um, given they have a college degree and um, personal training certificates and at least one year, one year of experience. Um, I know no matter what client I throw at them, um, they're going to be able to do what they're supposed to. And I've trust um, in them. They're W-2 employees, but I almost look at them as 1099. I want them to grow individually. Um, and I want them to feel like they have a say in everything that they do. Um, so when it comes to if they're working with multiple uh, clients, working with multiple trainers, um, those trainers will sit down, talk together. Um, if they're coming twice a week, we figure out their split, whether it's a upper or a lower, um, a full push of full pull, um, or just two total body workouts, just, um, based off those clients goals. Um, we'll kind of judge the workouts based off of that, um, when a client originally starts, we take them through a free fitness assessment and that's kind of our way of giving a, uh, consultation. I've, uh, I've learned it's better to take them through something. So our basic, uh, fitness assessment, just basic movement patterns, 
um, getting some basic strength testing. Um, so they kind of get a feel of what they're going to be purchasing um, while communicating them, being able to show them things. Um, I found that's worked better other than just setting up a consultation, sitting with them in an office for an hour, having them talk about how poorly they feel about themselves and why they need a personal trainer. Um, I just found it works way better being able to be interactive with them, um, showing them things as you're kind of selling what we're going to be doing for them. Um, I found that just has worked much better. So during that fitness assessment, they're getting a really good idea of what we're going to be working on, assessing their goals while they're working out. Um, and then that helps us judge based off what their goals are, how their workouts are going to look. Um, like I said, completely different based off the client. We have the high school athletes. We're doing a lot more plyometric, um, speed, explosiveness, power. Um, and then we have our 86 year olds with a hip replacement where it's just getting good at walking in a straight line, um, having good stability, good balance, um, focusing on mobility more so than, um, strength training. And, um, so it's really, really wide range. So we're pretty much pen and paper just because of how customizable we are. Um, yeah, so being pen and paper, it's old school, but it's, it's worked for us for the last two years. Clients have their own individual folders and we just take notes, have a paper copy of everything, um, to look back on and yeah. Awesome, man. It's, you know, and when I say this, I don't mean it in any bad way. It's like oftentimes the gym owners that have been in it for like 13 years back in like 2010, 2009, where like pen and paper was kind of the normal at, at that point. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see, you know, somebody that's a couple years in that's doing it, we'll say quote unquote old school. So that that's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, and pen and paper never lies. You know, you put it back and mm -hmm. unless you know, something catastrophically weird happens, you know, it's, it's always there. Yep. Yeah. So if we need to get anything sent to our client, we just scan it, send it their way. Um, I don't, you can't really, can't mess up pen and paper. <laughs> it, yeah. It's not like a, an internet browser where it's going to crash. Yeah. It's just with our clients, it's uh, kind of inevitable that we're going to throw something at them. Be like, oh, this kind of hurts. It's kind of, it's kind of bugging me and just much easier that way. Just scratch that one off right in the new workout um, and just write your notes about it. So the next trainer that works with them knows everything that you did with them prior. Yeah. A little paper trail. Awesome. Yep. yep. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit. You know, we got kind of like the, the, the basic meat and potatoes here, layout, square footage members, you know, the trainers. So you said uh, six trainers, three in the morning, three at night. Yep. And is that including you or are you like the additional? Um, including me, there would technically be eight if you're including the physical therapist as well. Um, I have about five, um, five full-time personal trainers. I have one part-timer um, who's actually going to be leaving soon because she just graduated uh, physical therapy school. So she's going to be going off into the physical therapy world, um, but not in the field of fitness. She's doing more um, brain trauma, those type of things. Um, so not anything that would tag along with what my physical therapist on staff is already doing. Right. Um, so five full-time, um, the one part-timer who's going to be leaving and then myself and then the, uh, physical therapist. Awesome, man. So, and then roughly like, what's your clientele load? Like, are you booked from five to one or one to nine or. 
Yeah. So I would say the first like nine to 12 months when I first opened, that was just keeping payroll down, taking as many sessions, many sessions as possible. Um, so I would say the first nine to 12 months, I was looking minimum, probably about 40 sessions a week, like anywhere from seven to 10 a day. Um, and I was working doubles. I'd take sessions in the morning. I'd take some at night. Um, so I really worked on just building full schedules. So when I brought someone on, it wasn't, um, they'd have a session here or there and not happy with pay. I was able to have them start and pretty much have, have it start as a career for them. Um, yeah. I've worked a lot of jobs where I come in like, yeah, I promise you're going to have 15, 20 clients and you have one or two for yeah. a month or two. And so I try to build a full schedule before giving that schedule to one of my employees. So it's worth their time coming in every time. Um, to where now I really stepped back this year too. I got through year one, had a great year. Um, couldn't be happier with the profit that we had um, to where I was able to step back, hire another person, hired someone who now runs my social media, um, personal trains part-time um, and does that to where it really took a lot off of me to where now I'm training maybe, maybe 15, 20 sessions a week maximum about okay. maybe two to three a day. I only take, clients uh tuesday wednesdays thursdays i take about like four maybe five three days a week uh, to where mondays and fridays i'm able to do whatever i need to do to keep getting this place to grow so working more um on the business instead of in the business that was kind of my motto for year two good that's a, a great transition goal especially you know you built it year one year two continue to scale but more focus on actual scaling versus you know taking that time to develop clients and stuff Yep. Cool, man. Um, so let's talk about those goals. So, you know, you want to expand, you want to grow. What's kind of like small picture, big picture, small picture, the next, we'll say eight to 10 months, you know, the rest of this year. And then, you know, bigger picture, you know, two, three years goes by. Where do you want to take this thing? Yeah. Uh, so I'd say my short, short term right now is our main priority right now is getting our nutrition program up and running. Um, like I said, we're doing like 30 to 40 one-on-ones a day, um, with only three rooms. That's getting us pretty close to, um, max out. Um, our personal trains are bread and butter. It's getting to the point where we've had to turn a client down before because you just can't find an open slot for them. Um, good problem to have, but you never want to run into that problem. Um, so now we're just finding ways to max out revenue streams. That's why I introduced the physical therapist, It's just a new service that we didn't have. So he's doing, um, dry needling, cupping, massage, um, which also helps a lot too. If we have a client that has a little lingering injury and it's a little bit beyond a personal trainer's um, grade, send them to the physical therapist. They work with him once or twice, and then they're right back into uh, the weight room with us. Um, so that worked out well. Um, so now really just pushing this nutrition program um, based off the sales and revenue we do with personal training if we can get a small portion through nutrition, that's really going to help the business to grow without taking away from the personal training. Um, obviously it goes hand in hand. So trying to do that within the team again, so I can get my um, employees to grow with me. It's also, this is getting uh, more money in their pockets, um, filling up their schedule more. Um, so that's going to be short term. And then the long term is obviously we're running out of space for personal training where it's either an expansion or a, uh, second location in the near future. Um, we have wide range of clients and there's actually one of my clients who is doing a whole new construction build uh, about a couple minutes down the road, um, like a whole new 
plaza, massive, a lot of foot traffic. Um, our Sherwin-Williams corporate office is going there. Um, so brand new, really nice um, building. So I'm going to have uh, first access to seeing everything, picking out a space. They'd guarantee I'd be the only gym in the plaza. Um, but that's not getting built out until end of 2024. So that's kind of just waiting, maxing out everything here to where I can get a good cash uh, cushion. I've been able to do everything loan free, um, built a good cushion for myself to where if I do a second location, I don't know if investors would be um, something I have to look into or if it's something I can potentially do on my own again. Um, but it's either going to have to be an, an expansion or a second location mm -hmm. based off where we're at year two, um, filling up. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I guess the question for that is, you know, what would you want to do? Would you want to expand the current facility if, if the space permits or, you know, do you mm -hmm. want multiple locations, you know, with obviously the added expense and rent and, you know, stuff like that? Yeah. So that's what's, uh, that's, what's tough. My whole background has been exercise science, how the body works, but not how business works. <laughs> um, everything I've done in the last two years have been, uh, self-taught YouTube, Google, um, mentors, just talking to people, going to events, um, self-taught the whole entire process pretty much. Um, so, um, the play building I'm in currently was a gym prior to me. So that made it a lot simpler um, yeah. to where I just had to fill the space um, as where if I'm doing a new one from uh, ground day, it's um, getting permits. It's a lot more liability, um, a lot more going behind it, getting loans, having to um, mass buy everything um, to where it's going to be pretty much, I was able to ease my schedule a lot, worked a ton, ease the schedule. And now it's, do I want to get back to that? Do I want to, kind of let this be my uh be my only baby and get it to where it's maxed out for the rest of my life or that expansion or second location um given the location that we're in um it's prime real estate we have um i don't know if you're familiar with heinen's grocery store it's a more of a higher end healthier um, grocery store so we have a lot of foot traffic especially with our type of clientele um, it's right by beautiful Metro Park. So a lot of people healthy out and about walking around um, to where we get a lot of walk-ins um, and that's really gotten us going um, to where I would lean more so towards the second location. Um, and that second location could split some clients from this location, going to the new location, which would open up some more here. Um, but yeah, I would say more so second location over expanding just because expansion a lot of people really like the location. It's two minutes from their house um, to where this is set in stone, opening a second one and having this one to fall back on to if the other one doesn't uh, succeed like this one does um, better than getting rid of this one to try to grow more. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. Um, so diving in, you know, let's, let's talk about, you know, I got, I got a good layout and I think the listeners got a good feel for, you know, how everything is, you know, how mm -hmm. you said you hired somebody for social media. Obviously you've had probably a lot of word of mouth and, and referrals and things like that, you know, so where yeah. is the bulk of your leads currently coming in? Yeah. Majority of our leads are coming from uh, Google searches. Um, I have a, 
So I have someone that runs my social media, Instagram, uh, TikTok, Facebook. Um, but I have another team that operates my website. Um, it's a local magazine called um, Mimi's. It's kind of more so tailored to middle-aged women. Um, every resident um, in the three bordering cities all get it. Um, but I'm more so interested on their digital side of things. They're doing everything with the Google, al Google algorithm um, to where I haven't been in business less than two years. If you look up personal trainers near me, it's me and Orange Theory are the number one and number two people popping up for every uh, keyword search that has to do with us. Um, so I would say seven out of 10 of my clients are probably coming from a basic Google search um, website. Uh, Google reviews are all things that have helped a lot with us getting new clients. Um, and then they also do, I'm in an article once a month, I get a full page, a couple uh, months out of the year in that magazine, that'll generate us a couple, couple leads a month. Um, and then I do zero money on um, social media. It's all organic Instagram DMS, Facebook messages. Um, and then just reaching out to people through social media as well. Um, so most of our leads are coming organically just from Google searches, walk-ins, um, and organic social media. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you said, you know, for, for foot traffic, you know, how many leads roughly like per month would you say that you see um, on a you know monthly basis? Yeah. So living in Ohio, winter months, obviously that's skewed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, don't get nearly as many walk-ins as we do. Um, so come March, once we start getting this consistent 60 degree weather, I would say we get at least two to five, two to five walk-ins a month. Um, and we have a whole protocol with our uh, trainers, what to do when we have a walk-in, how to treat them, what questions to ask, having them fill out information for us. Um, so that myself, and then um, I do have a general manager for when I'm not here, there's someone in charge. Um, so yeah, I would say about, two to five, those summer months, it can be anywhere from five to 10 walk-ins. People just want to see what we're doing. We'll put a little trifold out there. We have a in-body 270. Um, so we'll put out like a free body analysis scan just to kind of get people to walk in and be like, oh, what is that? Um, so yeah, that's pretty much March through, I'd say um, October is when we really get walk-ins this time of the year we'll maybe get one walk in a month and it's more so because they looked us up prior um, and just decided to walk in and set a call. Excellent, man. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so something comes to my mind, you know, you, you talked about expansion and, you know, maximizing, you know, your current process. Has there ever been a thought and we'll come back to the leads, but I wanted to ask this before I forget. Has there ever been a thought where, you know, the nutrition program, excellent, awesome, great. That's a huge part of fitness. Obviously, we all know that. But have you ever thought of maybe doing like a semi-private training where it's like maybe you have two, maybe three people and it's still personable, but it's like now you're getting three people for one slot? Yeah, and we do that a little bit. I should say we do do small group. Um, I just really don't push it. Um, where we do have two about two group classes a day upwards of four people um but so yeah we're doing about eight of those a week maybe as we're, we're doing 150 one-on-ones a week um 
So we do do that a little bit. And then that's one big thing that sets us apart too, is actually we really love getting couples coming in together, brothers, sisters, mom, daughters, um, to where I actually don't charge any extra for a second person to come in with them. Um, my trainers are all educated enough to where if they have to kind of um, tailor towards two different fitness levels, people, they're able to do so um, very easily. Um, I mentioned before, we have a client with pretty severe Parkinson's, um, but his wife is extremely fit. Um, we have them working out together. They're in the same room, just doing separate exercises, um, but it's still within the same time frame. So that's kind of how I explain it. It's like, I pretty much need X amount for this session. Divvy it up how you please. Yeah. Um, so, but that's our big thing is we give a, we have a free buddy system. So we have a lot of husbands, wives. Um, we see a lot more results um, when couples work out together versus when they don't. Um, usually we're having a say someone overweight and it's just them coming in and they're going home to a husband with bad habits. Um, they're not doing what's supposed to, but if we have those couples working out together, we're able to talk to them together. They're able to do it as a team. And we see way, way better results that way too. doesn't really add any stress for us. It actually makes it easier on our trainers because a whole nother person to conversate with, um, mingle more makes it way more fun that way for the trainers and for the clients both. Yeah. Um, so and we have a pretty good, uh, referral program too, um, to where a client refers us. Most of my clients I have on like a, month, a monthly auto renew program, um, to where if they refer someone, I get them signed up for anything on our, uh, price sheet. I give them half off their next month. Um, which for some clients can be upwards of 500 bucks, um, a month in savings. Wow, um, absolutely. that's great. Yeah. So we do, do get a lot of referrals as well. Um, and I think that comes a lot from having couples, friends work out together. Um, as long as I get what I need for that session, I don't care if it's two people or three people. Um, and it makes it almost easier on my uh, trainers because it makes it a little bit more fun, I think. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Uh, you know, and especially, you know, giving that second session or second person, you know, free, mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's huge. I, that instills some value in, you know, who you are as a person, as a business owner. Yep. Yeah. I feel like there's really no need to charge more and it, it, it makes it way, my conversion rate makes it way easier to sign someone yeah. up um, when you don't have to charge for that second person. Um, plus I've noticed we get way better results out of those clients than we do the clients coming in by themselves too. Um, they have someone at home that's pushing them as well. That's awesome, man. Congrats. Yeah. Hats off to you for that. Um, so, you know, again, going back to the lead, you, you touched on a, a, a conversion, you know, with it being more private, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, obviously you're not getting in two, 300 leads a month because then you yeah. probably have to have four or five different facilities. Uh, yeah. Also not a bad thing, but you know, what would you say that conversion percentage is, you know, if you were to see, let's say five to 10 new clients a month, what typically would be a conversion of, of those five to 10? Yeah. So at one point I ran a report probably about six months ago, we were actually at a 93% conversion rate. Um, now for whatever reason, December, January this year compared to last year, I've only been doing this for two years. So numbers are still a little bit skewed because of COVID I would say um, my first year 
December, January, COVID was pretty hot in Ohio to where people still weren't coming out. This year, December, January, I think we had upwards of 20 leads that month and we signed up um, 12 clients in a matter of two weeks, um, which for my business and model, 12 clients is a lot. Um, so if I were to run that lead, I would say we're definitely over a 75% conversion rate. It's more so just getting them into the door. Um, most of our client or potential clients are leads. Um, they know what to expect coming in price-wise. Um, they know it's not going to be the cheapest thing. It's more so just checking out the facility. Um, I think we do a good job of explaining everything we do through our uh, social media and our website. Um, to where, yeah, like I said, the clients, they kind of um, know what to expect when they're coming in here price-wise um, to where it's a pretty easy um, sign-up majority of the time, especially with taking them through that free assessment. Um, I feel like a lot of gyms aren't doing that. They don't like giving out things for free. Um, but I've noticed it makes it way easier. We're able to give them that um, print out copy of their body analysis on that in body. They're able to see, wow, okay, these are the things I do need to work on. And we explain everything of how we can help them achieve those um, to where it's made it pretty easy. I would say at least a 75% conversion rate we're seeing right now. That's awesome. Kudos to that, man. Um, a few, few last things here, you know, um, talked in a little bit of, you know, marketing side of things, you, know, you hired somebody to do social media, but more, that was more or less like, you know, like boosted posts. Is that right? Uh, things like that, organic mm -hmm. posts, stuff like that. Um, and then somebody is doing like the website and the Google side of things. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're not necessarily right now running any kind of like paid ads for like Facebook, Instagram. Nope. Yeah. I would say it's been, I've boosted one uh, Facebook and Instagram post in the last six months, probably. And it was just wow. a $100 one just to get it out there a little bit more. I made a testimonial video and I just wanted that to get pushed a little bit. Uh, but when it comes to ads, all those type of things, we don't really do much. It's really the whole Google algorithm. Um, it's not a, a cheap service that I pay for, for the whole newspaper, them running my website, um, doing everything with the keyword searches and the Google algorithm. Um, so that's our number one marketing source It's probably just making sure if someone searches personal trainer, it's us that's popping up. Mm -hmm. Um, they also help with sending out, um, text to clients to leave us a Google review because Google reviews help a lot with small businesses. Um, so, and they make it to where I don't have to lift a finger for the, um, monthly, um, newspaper articles. And they're also digital copies as well. They call me, they ask the questions, they make a nice story out of it and boom, it's in the newspaper every month. Um, it's online every month. Um, and then social media, it's just TikToks, a lot of reels, um, making my trainers get engaged on it, liking, sharing, um, messaging clients that say anything on it just to get good engagement on social media. Um, we're not huge on social media. I think when I hired the, uh, when I hired the trainer that's running the social media page, we had like 150 followers and in six, seven months, we're almost to 500 now. Um, for being a local business, I think that's pretty good. Obviously, once you hit like that 1,000 mark, it usually goes up a little faster. Um, but yeah, it's all organic. Um, we get all of the trainers involved doing video demonstrations, how-tos, um, follow this workout, save this workout for later. Um, keeping up with the trends and the sounds on TikTok and reels to try to get more views. Um, but no money getting put into the, especially the Facebook, um, 
talk to a lot of people and um, I don't know if it's just our industry or everywhere, but Facebook's slowly dying down a little bit from what I've heard. And I would boost posts and I wouldn't get anything from it or I wouldn't get more than I get without putting money on it. Um, so pretty much just organic. I try to do a lot of local events too, um, health fairs, um, 5K events. I try to get a booth or a table at just to get the word out there. Yeah, uh, That's pretty much pretty much it when it comes to marketing. Awesome, man. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, to the, to the point of, you know, boosting a little bit, not getting much out of it, you know, a lot of, a lot of gym owners, and again, yours is different dynamic. A lot of gym owners will do the paid advertising and marketing to get, you know, 50 leads, a hundred leads, something like that, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, is there ever a point in time, you know, where you would go down that rabbit hole of doing paid marketing to, max out revenue in the gym whether that marketing is targeted towards bringing in pt new leads or hey nutrition programming leads things like that is that something you've thought about yeah definitely i think now that we're two years in it's most people in the area um it's, it's not a huge town that we're in um to where most people they've seen us we're in the biggest grocery store parking lot in the city and everything so people know us by now if they're in the area Yeah. Um, to where if it's adding something new. So once we get this nutrition program up and running, those are probably some things I'm going to boost for at least a month or two, just to really get it um, um, pushed out there and known that that's what we're doing. Um, but yeah, if we can find a way we've tried playing around with uh, the boost posts of certain age ranges, um, genders, um, Facebook gives you all those prompts of how to target certain people. We've played around with it, but like I said, just wasn't worth it. I'd rather keep the money in my pocket to reinvest in the business other ways um, or spend it um, on spending money on a table and actually being able to engage with people one-on-one -on -one, face to face. Um, um, Cause the big thing too is getting someone that clicks that Facebook link um, to convert into an actual lead as well. Um, so we're still simplifying that process link tree, making sure everything's clean easy to navigate through, doesn't take 10 clicks to get to what you're looking for. Um, but yeah, pretty much just new, I would say anything new that we're adding um, or something I really want to get pushed, I would boost it just to get it pushed out there. But when it comes to a weekly, like running ads for promotions, um, that's not really something I feel the need that we would have to do with my model. Um, also just because it hasn't really worked for us either. So I just kind of gave up on it and we've been getting them organically to where I haven't had to. Yeah. No. And again, you know, apologies for, you know, just having that experience because oftentimes that's usually not the case depending on, you know, who you're with. You know, I always like to use the fun yeah. analogy of, you know, you have one bad girlfriend, now they're an ex, you're not going to just not go out and date in the yeah. world. Right. So, right. Um, you know, corny joke, but it's, you know, to speak to the, to that point, but yeah no, um yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> well uh, well cool man um i think that's a good place to wrap up i got two last things for you here today yeah. first thing you know you've been in business two years you know um you've had some things that's propelled you to go where you are now what words of advice would you give somebody that's in your shoes two years ago um don't be afraid to fail um that's probably the biggest thing is uh, people don't want to take that risk. Um, if you have a passion for it, just do it. I grew up um, luckily in a home where I was told 
um, if you do what you love, it's like you never work a day in your life. Um, and I'm a big advocate for that. Um, you have to work every day. It's, it's 2023. I think everyone knows that you have to work to make a living. Um, you may not make the best out of it. So if you have a passion for something, um, you have the opportunity to, and people don't really realize that, um, it's not as easy as you, not as, or it's not as hard as you think it is. Um, if you, if you're passionate about it, put your head down, everyone's pretty much capable of capable of everything. So I, there's a lot of people that probably wouldn't expect to see me where I'm at right now. Um, but it's just because took that risk. So right. if you're passionate about it, just do it. Awesome, man. You know, the, the greater the risk, greater the reward. Exactly. Cool. Well, uh, last thing, you know, we always love to give shout outs to your facility. So go ahead and give our listeners a way that they can find your facility. Yeah. Um, so a couple ways you can just Google higher heights fitness. Um, if you're not from the area, higher heights fitness, Brexville, Ohio will pop up higher heights fitness.com. Um, our social media is higher heights Brexville. Um, and that's for all of our platforms, Facebook, um, Instagram, TikTok, higher heights Brexville. Awesome. Love that. I appreciate that share. Uh, everybody out there listening, you know, that's, that's been the show. Um, you know, if Kyle has inspired you to, you know, want to come on the show, we'd love to have you. And most importantly, if, you know, this facility sounds like something you want to check out, feel free to look them up. Or if you're in the Brexville, Ohio area, go check them out. Um, he'd love to have you. And he's got a lot of cool things coming up. Um, but again, if you're interested in being on the show, feel free to click on the link, type in all your info. We'll be in touch and we'll get you on and we'll talk all about the business side of things. Uh, until then, y'all, that's another episode of the Jim Lords podcast. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Jamie from Forest City CrossFit. What's going on, man? How are you doing today? I was pretty good. Just uh, good to be inside. It's pretty cold outside. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're definitely excited to learn from you and have you on the show today, but before we dive into talking about the business side of things, tell us a little bit about how you describe Forest City CrossFit to people and what made, what made you want to start your gym in the first place? Uh, for our, our place, try to make it so that it's accessible for everybody, um, really having that inclusive environment so that we have the community feel. Uh, really, anybody that wants to take their fitness to the next level, whether it's being a competitor performer or just to be healthy and active, which is the vast majority. That's what we wanted. Um, kind of ended up going my own way because um, going around to some of the different gyms, I kind of came across CrossFit um, and just kind of 
it really appealed to me having a different athletic background growing up playing a lot of different sports um, and then just kind of pursuing things on the adult side it was great where there was a lot of different things to do and uh, it's kind of hard to get bored because there's always something new so trying to provide that and getting my own space where it felt that there just seemed to be a need to make things a little more welcoming or inclusive for anybody and everybody, as opposed to, um, you know, close to the 10 years ago where when CrossFit was quite big and widespread, it just seemed to be a lot more extreme and, and very competitive focus and more of the sport of it instead of just uh, the fitness aspect of it. Um, so I just really wanted to have a, a good welcoming community and a lot was kind of emulating when I was in Ottawa at the time, uh, working with uh, another CrossFit gym there, the CrossFit Bytown and owner there just gave me the opportunity to kind of tag along and learn some of the, the, the ways of doing things in that community and, and develop as a trainer. Um, and it just seemed to be the, the right, uh, really environment to be a part of that anybody could if you wanted to be super fit and go hard you could you wanted to take it easy and get moving for the first time in a decade still the right place so and then it's just up to uh, the trainers and the coaches to kind of guide people and really we just look at and and how i communicate to people is we want to make progress we we need to be challenged our job is to make sure that challenge is an appropriate challenge based on your current capabilities which are always developing so I kind of got into CrossFit. I was hesitant to start CrossFit, uh, especially being in the military. Uh, look at friends are going to do a workout. What you did a workout in seven minutes is I, I'm going to go push weights for a couple hours and actually get something out of it. But then eventually it was while I was way on tour, kind of went with a friend and, and tried it out and say, wow, that was terrible, but in a good way. And then kind of looking into it and then realizing there's a, there's a lot more behind it. Uh, like with the methodology, when it comes to CrossFit and the science that a lot of people don't realize it's not trying to flip tires and swing ropes and trying to just to look cool, but there is a method to the madness about, you know, things that are observable, measurable and repeatable. Therefore you can easily see progress. But uh, so that's what kind of appealed to me and, and led me to kind of creating our own environment within the community and, and in a way that we can help uh, as many that want to be helped. Yeah. So you mentioned that you were in the military. Um, so did you transition like from being in the military right into running a gym? Pretty or, much. What, really? That's why I kind of relieve, like for us in Canada, you kind of have a terms of service and mine were coming to an end. So you either sign on for extended term or say, Hey, you just kind of acknowledge that. Nope, I'm going to be done. But with me, I had started my military career with the reserve. So kind of that part-time commitment made the switch to regular force had gone through the regular force term and came to the end. It's like, mm, I think I want to step back just because with my career path and it led to more office work. That's why I joined the military to get away from the office work, having an engineering background. But then I, I just like to get out and move. So the army kind of helped with that for a while, but then career path, you get to headquarters and that, and you're in a cubicle environment for a lot of the time, not where I wanted to be kind of confined. But since I found that good connection, being, being exposed to CrossFit, uh, I really felt that it's, it was a great fit for me. And then led me to explore, I guess, doing things my own way um, as a gym owner. So 
um, now I'm still back with the reserve. So I switched back. So I'm still connected with the army side on that part-time basis, but I've got all the other experience. So it allows me to help the military side. I'm actually in a new role of, uh, the brigade fitness advisor for the brigade commander and that and developing fitness within, uh, our area with all the other units. So there's been a lot of transferability and applicability with uh, the different skills and experience, uh, over time. So that's kind of how I got to this point. Yeah, that, that was actually my next question is like, what are some of the skills, maybe leadership and things that you are using on a daily basis to run and grow your gym? Well, I think it's just developing that comfort and confidence with the communication. Like I mentioned, I had done some engineering and growing up, I would have had a stereotypical engineering personality, more introverted, not talking. Now it's like, I'm almost kind of rambling. I'm in my comfort zone. I'm in the gym. This is where I love. I have the passion so I can really communicate because I've spent a lot of time endlessly learning, never ending professional development. How can I help people more? How can I help myself? How can I help betters when it comes to our overall health and fitness? Not just getting stronger, but understanding the different elements when it comes to nutrition and just living a healthy, active lifestyle. And how can we uh, impact others with the information? So um, just with the military background, you, you get to work with people at different ages, different capabilities, different trades, different backgrounds. So it, it's just a great experience. And being an officer, you're always in a position of leadership and management to some extent where you need to be able to communicate the information, whether you're accomplishing a mission or just allocating resources. So there's a lot of great aspects and understanding administration um, that transfer over to running a business uh, such as a gym. Yep. So my question for you is communication, maybe like one of your answers to this, but if you could rely on Although there are many skills that you need to run a business, but if you rely on two skills, what two skills would you say are most important when it comes to running a gym um, and also growing a gym? Uh, military really helped me with this one is you can't wait for a perfect plan. So you have to accept, hey, make mistakes and be willing to, but pay attention and learn from them. Like the military, there's no time to make a perfect plan. You need uh, a plan you can execute, something that will be effective, and then you adapt. Same thing with running a business. The best intentions, you cannot take the time to make it perfect. You need it in a way that you can deliver and present it and then be flexible enough to adapt based on what you learn, based on the feedback and the experiences. We're going to make mistakes, but you have to be willing to try things so that you can learn and move forward. Yeah. For sure. All right. So with that, let's talk a little bit about what you guys are doing for marketing. So when you opened your doors, did you start with zero clients? Uh, pretty much. Um, so it was just the passion. Um, whether or not I admit it, like whether it was more or less build it and they will come type thing, um, the old field of dreams, but uh, maybe that's just showing my age of <laughs> referencing that kind of movie. <laughs> but um it was a bit of that. It was just a, a passion, but developed a like a business plan so that would have an idea to know that it would be feasible and what would be required. Um, but there's so many unknowns that we have to be prepared to adapt or just know where we can commit our efforts, whether in our resources between like the finances, the time and our energy as to what is going to give us a return on that investment, whatever the resource is. 
So it was definitely a challenge. I was stubborn in trying to do things a lot on my own, um, trying to research a lot, no marketing. Cause like at the time is like, how are you like getting any analytics? There wasn't much at the time to know, Hey, if I pay for this advertising, how am I going to see a return until like year after year, the metrics are developing. So getting into it and ultimately, yeah, then past couple of years, yes, I have been, um, using some paid ads primarily through like Facebook and now with Facebook connected with Instagram and that's it. Usually people will choose either the Facebook route or the Google. Um, I just happen to choose with Facebook uh, because we have the social media connection and our content creation through some things. One or both uh, can really work well. It just depends on what works for you. Um, but other than that, it was just trying to be putting the social media out, um, I was very centrally focused on like our members. I wanted to focus on their development, but it was a little too, I don't know, isolated and just neglecting the audience out there. Like we need to get leads because that's our revenue and that's how the business is going to survive. So I went longer than I should have of just trying to fight through my own way where there was a bit of ego in that, but uh, eventually kind of looking at some outside support to that. It's just like, hey, you find some things, some people that are successful and you do it. And there's lots of different uh, either individual mentors. If you know someone that's successful with business, there's uh, certain organizations that can help you with business mentorship and and developing, whether it's marketing specifically or um, really dialing in your niche and, and how you can help and, and how you can differentiate, differentiate yourself from others because the fitness industry is uh, pretty big and well saturated. Um, and it's just how can you communicate and build your audience? Um, that's one, one good thing. But uh, if you want to keep your business going, uh, that needs to turn into revenue. And so that that's the big thing. So things keep developing and it's and it's tracking the numbers. It's the administration. We can't just turn a blind eye to the numbers, even if they're if they're not what we want them to be. Being aware of them will help you to focus your efforts so that they can move to what they need to be. Otherwise, it just won't last because there's so many things we can spend your money on. There's a lot of expenses. We just need to make sure that that revenue more than covers those expenses because that's just basic business yeah yeah so i want to backtrack a little bit to something you said about just asking for help help in general was there like a defining moment or just something that happened that made you ask and say hey oh man you know i need help with in this area um Sometimes like I, there's a lot of information out there and, and, and it's kind of hard to kind of filter things through the noise, but sometimes you find something that you can kind of resonate with and going for data really helps. Um, I have the engineering background, so that's what I like is some data. I always have a reason like why I do anything like even as simple as put my clothes on i'm always going to put the left side on first because when i was younger i read a hockey superstitions book and it was always the left side so between that um and making a decision when it comes to business administration it's just understanding the why when we do this how is this going to benefit the business is it going to generate revenue is it going to improve the experience for the members is it going to improve my health and fitness and being able to lead as an example, um, not just go, 
because the fitness industry is kind of hard to be unfit and get people to come pay you to make them fit. Every other sport, usually the coach is on the sideline wearing a suit and big belly and that been there, done that. And they've kind of proven themselves, but that's what we see on TV. But we need to be able to kind of practice what we preach. Um, so sometimes it's just, hey, what's going to help me? And whether it's looking at other successful business owners, it could be any business you need, like business is business and generating money. There are a lot of similarities. There are some differences when it comes to the specific industry. So I like, um, like some things that I would follow is just, oh, okay, there's some data here that um, I really like how this is presented and and this kind of connects with me. Hey, I like there's data, there's science. They're they're looking at multiple gyms and what are they doing and what are they learning from? How are they adapting it? How can we create a template and getting into developing SOPs like the standard operating procedures? When we have repetitive tasks, we want to be able to do that. Quite similar to the military. There's a lot of SOPs because they want to make it as easy as possible, especially in a stressful environment. And mm-hmm. business can be very stressful and we want to take that out like try to minimize the stress so that we can focus on responding in like a calm appropriate manner instead of reacting and because when we react tends to be a little more emotional and a little hasty but we want to be a little deliberate with our responses so having the SOPs can uh, really help that Um, so finding the different networks and and different um, practices and there's uh, different Facebook groups online that people can become a part of, um, but there's also a lot of distracting ones. Um, so it's just just got to be aware of what's there. Follow what makes sense to you, and then and don't uh, the ones that don't connect to you because then it becomes a distraction. There's uh, a lot out there in our society, and especially online, it, it's easy to be overwhelmed. It's hard to be disciplined with what matters for you. And what matters now? And, and that's going to change in time. You're going to shift your priorities based on the systems you establish, just like life uh, between family and career and, and everything else. We kind of shift and go through phases and we have to uh, shift our priorities. So whether we're focusing on marketing efforts or focusing now on the actual sales side or we're focusing on staff development, whether it's the fitness trainers or cleaning staff or whatever else it may be, um, we always need to kind of shift those priorities or get people that can help manage it all and do it all concurrently because as one person you can only do so much and what really helps the business development is getting to the point where you can build a team because we can't do it all on our own even though sometimes we want to when we start out um at the full-time thing there there are some different aspects like running a gym uh, it's kind of hard if it's a small studio and doing personal training one-on-one great you get those connections but to build and to support a larger community then yeah it, it it tends to favor having a team and understanding specializations and strengths and uh, weaknesses identifying your own weaknesses and getting people on your team that your weaknesses are their strengths and vice versa so then that way you have a well-rounded complement complementing team that can really take on anything that you need to and have never ending development. Yeah. So that's a good point that you bring up. Um, Talk to us a little bit about the team that you've been able to build over the years. 
Well, it certainly took me a long time to accept, especially with trainers, because I kind of had my way. I had my passion, wanted to have a high level standard uh, to hold people accountable to when we are training and, and trying to have them move the best way and, and have the best uh, applicability to their health and fitness. Um, so getting some trainers over the years um it certainly took some time like very minimal kind of part-time um because like not having enough revenue really and, and the resources to financially pay out for other um like near full-time trainers and that so it's just kind of having to build that revenue and generate it um but you know sometimes when you look at the numbers uh, the more you invest in in what um, a trainer team can bring in just helps the overall team. So um, the investment in any team members is usually uh, well worth it because it just uh, allows you to offer more in a well-rounded way. So we have a few other trainers uh, and now just uh, fortunately I've been able to essentially hire on one of our, really my first ever member that signed up while I, while I was renovating our original location our member who signed up, who is like a, a human resources kind of specialist and with city hall and different municipal organizations, essentially has got to the retirement stage and has, over the years has kind of offered, we've done different meetings and discussed different uh, business development plans administratively, but recently been able to hire him on. And it's just been amazing what we've been able to do um and continuing to kind of free up my time to focus on development instead of just current operations so that's been a huge thing like within a a gym community environment that trying to establish having someone that excels with like the management or the administration can really help or if that's your strength having someone that can focus more on the operations finding someone to manage again it's that team the strengths and and the weaknesses that are complementing cuz i when it helped to have that community of development they kind of see it as like three main areas um to be covered is like someone fulfills the role of the visionary someone's kind of the integrator and someone's the disciplinarian to kind of keep everything on track and make sure everything works seamlessly, but someone's got to see where are we headed. Um, and just by having the kind of cohesiveness of all those elements, then um, you're definitely going to be successful. You just be willing to shift your priorities when needed and keep putting one foot in front of the other when it comes to ad administrative progress, business development, or even your own health and fitness. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of the goals that you guys are working towards for this year and then even 2024, 2025. Where do you, how do you want to see the business, you know, grow and develop? Well, just uh, continuing to move forward with our community where they see what they're doing is part of their lifestyle. It's not like a temporary quick fix um and for the adult uh, we don't want it to be oh you come in for an hour to punish yourself for the choices you made outside of the gym it's come in here and celebrate what you're capable of and even learn some new capabilities because then we develop that confidence that esteem that we can take into different areas in our life whether it's taking on those different activities that we've been hesitant to try but sometimes it's just having that confidence to stand on a stage or be able to present in, in a public speaking manner um and just 
help people just be present in their daily lives. So we want to educate people and let them see the progress they're making, uh, celebrate their wins, really celebrate the progress. Don't let them get hung up on the things that they're not doing, because usually it's just, hey, don't worry about what you can't do right now, because in time, hey, if we work towards it, you're going to be able to accomplish it. Um, and that way we get to kind of retain the members because they can see the value and the contribution that we can make or even supporting them. They don't have to be in the gym every day working out, but they know that they're a part of a community that is like-minded and just trying to make better choices every day. We don't want to sit around in the comfort zone where we're just kind of settling. We're, we're past that pandemic stage. We need to get out of the comfort zone. So we're not just surviving now. We've done that. We need to move towards thriving. So challenge ourselves. So that's what we need. Yeah. We can challenge ourselves physically, mentally, so that we can manage the emotion. We don't want to challenge ourselves too much emotionally, but we want to be prepared. Life's going to have those ups and downs. So when we're physically and mentally fit, then we're going to be emotionally resilient. Um, but a lot of these concepts relate to even our youth program. So it's just, it's awesome to be a part of kind of shaping the next generation of our community. We've got our junior program, kind of like our, our, our five to 12 year olds and then our teens. Um, and they're really committed. They want it. And, and it's amazing to see the progress that they're, they're making. Um, and in, in some ways um, we're almost like creating future leaders because we can take the teens, they can help guide the next ones. They're building their confidence because the teenage years can be quite awkward as, as most of us can remember high school and peer pressure and that can be fun, can be challenging. Um, and it's just building mm -hmm. those relationships. So with our youth program and we, we always let the parents know, Hey, we're helping people progress like physically, mentally, and socially because it's, it's a diverse group. And then even emotionally, because we're going to take on some challenge. We want to challenge them physically, but within their current capabilities, just like the adults and we're preparing them for adulthood so there's a lot of long-term effects like right through our youth program into the adults and just having them establish that healthy active routine part of what they do on a regular basis so movement is medicine that's what we want people to do don't rely on the pharmaceuticals unless it's a very specific case eat right and move the body you're going to do pretty good yeah yeah so and then what about like for you like what are your goals like what goals do you want like your business to help you reach in your personal life? Well, kind of like what we all want is to get to that financially comfortable, that financial freedom stage where, Hey, really, I, I want to just put in the effort, the time it's a lot of front loading so that ultimately you become like the gym mayor. You, you just kind of show up, shake hands. Hey, how's it going? Because <laughs> you've got the systems in place. Yeah. And and the, the team's there. The team is doing their thing. We're generating revenue. Everyone is getting their part because they're doing their part. And it's just like when they do more, having those opportunities to reward them and, and getting the team to understand the value that they have and the contributions that they're making to our community. So it, it's fun to be a part of that. Like I am not, I like the coaching and the training, but I don't do much of that anymore, but I have fun where I'm more of train the trainer. So then it's holding myself accountable. I'm still going to develop for myself so that I can download or steer our trainers in their directions and even help them develop. Hey, what's your niche? What area do you want to specialize in? Because then that can help you from a personal training perspective or nutrition coaching or even on the lifestyle side of things or like becoming a holistic lifestyle specialist where you're looking at more than 
what just happens in the gym. And, and people always forget about that. You're not going to come into the gym and, you know, try to punish yourself and try to out train that bad diet. It just doesn't work. <laughs> um, it'll, it'll catch up with all of us. We need to make those healthy choices outside and then reflect on the choices we make and know, is this moving us towards who we want to be? That's a great question. Um, would be a great question to end on, but I do have one more question for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, looking back to when you first started your gym, I want you to go think about all of the experiences that you had, good, bad, and the ugly. Um, give yourself a piece of advice that you needed to hear back before you decided to open the doors. It's don't be afraid of the numbers. You need to know them because as a business, that's what should be guiding your decisions. Um, Cause before when I was starting, it was just like, Oh, I don't want to see the bank account. Cause it's not going in the right direction. When you're starting, it's usually a big investment. We have to invest. We're, we're kind of sacrificing. We have to commit, but knowing that it takes a little time to get that return on the investment. So don't be afraid. The more you track the numbers, the more information you have to guide your decisions for development. So don't be afraid of it. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. And that's where like a lot of businesses in general are going to fail at the beginning because they're not watching the numbers. They're just following their passion. Yes, we're into it for the passion, but we need to watch the numbers. That's our data. We need the data that guides our decisions as to what's going to help move everything forward. Yeah. I mean, so are there any specific numbers that you watch every day inconsistently? Well, it's just kind of like monthly revenue is always going to be a concern. And how does that compare to the monthly expenses? Mm -hmm. Trying to be aware, like there's going to be recurring expenses are going to be one-time things. Being able to track these throughout, you need to be aware. We can't turn a blind eye as, oh, hope that there's enough to pay for it or let credit do for it because we don't want to waste money on interest. Like all that's going to build up. And what we invest in at this time, if it's no longer applicable, we need to cut it off and move on to what is or adapt as our systems adapt, our structure needs to adapt. Um, and that only happens by actually tracking it because a lot of things become automated. You sign up for things, there's automatic credit card payments or you know, just the bank pays things. We need to be aware and we need to interject where and when we need to. So we have to be cognizant of everything that we're doing. So watch the expenses, make minimize them wherever possible. Um, and that way you're going to maximize your return. Revenue is one thing, but we need to generate those leads to get the revenue. That's a, yeah. a certain consideration, and that contributes to it. Without leads, you're, you're not getting revenue. So we need to make sure that there is adequate revenue, and it might be not where we want at the beginning, but as long as it's moving in the right direction, and then you need to reflect and assess what needs to happen to keep things improving, not just hope for the best. Don't build it and they will come and then forget about it. It's build it, watch it. So we need to go through the process of assess, put it in place, assess it, and then take the next action that's required. So. All right, Jamie. Well, very well said. True. And this is a good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Sure. Real simple with uh, forestcitycrossfit.com. And we're in London, Ontario, in Canada. So it's a little snowy today. 
All righty, man. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and contributions to the podcast and look forward to seeing what you're going to be able to accomplish down the road. And to everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if y'all want to be notified about future episodes, hit that like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us again for a second interview here, we have Miss Lonnie Weinstock-Galate coming to you from Malibu Fitness in Malibu, California. Lonnie, how are you today? What's going on? I'm great, thank you. I am particularly excited to to dig into this and pick your brain i got to ask a lot of my own curiosity type questions before getting into this interview here but for the people who missed the first interview or aren't familiar with malibu fitness in general give us a little bit of a background when you describe what this is what do you tell people I kind of tell, I tell people that it's a community within a community based on fitness because we've been here for so long. We established 37 years ago and having grown up here, we're like a big giant family and Mm. members bring other members that are friends and family. And we provide a lot of things that other fitness studios do weight training, a complete weight room, classes. But when I ask other people from the outside what it's like, they feel like it's its own little community because everyone shares and becomes friends. And it's a resource center in a lot of ways too for people that just come from the outside. Got it. Okay. And for context on all of this, for the people listening, this is crucial for understanding a lot of what we will come to talk about but take us to the early days of Malibu Fitness when was it what inspired you to to open up your own studio and how did we get here today Lonnie to start at the beginning I was always very interested in fitness I was a gymnast since I was a child all the way through college where I studied kinesiology and um, earned a degree in that as well as a teaching credential. 
and I was teaching school, physical education, and also teaching a little gymnastics on the side and then realized that I really wanted to teach people that wanted to learn more than battling with students trying to get out of class and had so many ideas. So I started teaching exercise classes, which we know as aerobics back in the eighties in 1986 is when we started. So aerobics just started out becoming huge. And I just kind of morphed with that and then added more and more classes. And then it kept expanding over the years, growing into a weight room with more cardio equipment and more machines and free weights all the way to now where fitness has changed a lot. The industry has changed. We do a lot more functional fitness and body weight and mobility mm -hmm. that are more applicable to our lives really to keep us sure. feeling good, fit, healthy, and yeah. keep longevity because we live a lot longer and we want to stay healthy and fit. Understood. Now, in that time, Lonnie, we just celebrated 37 years of being in business. What do you think the biggest difference between Malibu Fitness early days and Malibu Fitness 2023 is? Well, we're a lot bigger. I started in a, a much smaller space and I was primarily just women doing classes. And some people even thought we were just a women's fitness facility. And now I want to say we probably have more men um, and all different ages. It, it was starting in more of like the 30s and 40 year olds. And now I want to say there's high school kids a lot all the way up. I think our oldest client is 86. Oh, wow. So, yeah. But more young people now because yeah, fitness is really popular. Um, so we've just grown a lot. Our classes have changed because we've learned a lot more. There's so much more knowledge in the fitness industry. And I think it's, it's more intelligent. Yep. How has your role changed throughout all of this? Um, well, I was um, an aerobic person, just doing aerobics and pounding the pavement and jumping up and down and, um, you know, dancing to Donna Summer and Flashdance. Yes. And, now I teach a lot of sounds like my current fitness regimen. Yeah. Um, mostly cardio, cardio. And um, now it's more, I do a lot of private training, personal training. I teach spin classes still. I teach TRX. Good for you. Um, so I, I like everything. Um, and I, I'm a specialist in women's fitness throughout their stages. So there's, so much to learn for the different stages of women. So I really try to help them stay strong and fit and mobile. Women don't do enough lifting and they get weaker um, because of the hormone deficiencies in their body. So that's a big part of my role now and running the facility because it's a lot yeah, more. Of course. <laughs> and yeah. There's a lot more staff. There's a lot more teachers, a lot more trainers. So from the beginning to now, it's a lot more of everything, but I want to say there's a lot more knowledge and I try to really implant that and have that for my teachers. Sure. Too. Now just reminisce on, on your time as owner of all of this for a minute and talk, kind of boil it down nice and simple. What's been your favorite part 
about owning this business over the years and what's been the biggest challenge or the toughest part for you over the years? My favorite part is teaching. I love to teach. So at the beginning, it was aerobics. Now it's spinning. I love the music part of it. I thrive on that. And that kind of gets me high. And I like seeing the one-on-one uh, -on -one for me personally, watching people get better and feel better in their bodies and their minds. Mm. That's part of my favorite. Uh, having the freedom now that the gym is successful, having the freedom to not have to work as much and to be able to choose the people I want to work with because financially I'm in a little better position. So those are the, the joys. Those yeah. are the joys I love. My son now manages, so I get to work with him. My daughter works in there a little bit as well. Sure. Um, the most challenging time ever was during COVID. Especially in California, I would imagine. It was tough. Yeah. And luckily, we have this outdoor facility. We could push all of our equipment outside. We could teach classes outside. The weather's nice. We have an ocean and mountain views. So we'd roll the spin bikes out. We'd, we have mats. We have a whole kind of fitness out there, which has developed even more since COVID. But uh, yeah, we were hanging by a thread. Yeah. That was really, I want to say that was one of the more challenging times. And that was just recent. And how do now, how do membership numbers look now compared to 2019 or early 2020? Better than they've ever been. We had a big fire heater in 2018. Oh. That was pretty wow. Um All of Malibu was was shut down for over a month, no power, and everybody dispersed. And over 700 homes. Many, I probably had like 200 members whose homes burned. Some of them moved out of the area. Some of them didn't want to come back. Some of them had rebuilt. So we had that. And then we had shortly after the COVID. So that was a pretty hard bang. Um, and I think people yeah. appreciate it so much because we were so confined. And, and the last year and two years have been the best. Good. Well, that's silver lining, at least. Yeah, there was now, a little, uh, appreciation, I think, for yeah. coming hundred percent. Now, a lot of people tune into this podcast, Lonnie, just to hear different ideas of, of how people are finding new members or how they're driving some traffic into their studios. What over the years have you done that worked well to get people in and what maybe wasn't the best that you wouldn't recommend to other gym owners to do? You know, Malibu is kind of a, a different area. It's, it's a pretty small community. We're now the only gym in Malibu. Um, we started out being the only, and then a few others had opened up, but then it's recently closed down. I think it's word of mouth. People bring people, teachers bring people, trainers bring people. I've done a little bit of work with the university here at Pepperdine. We have a lot of Pepperdine students, but the moms and dads will come and then their high school kids will come. So it's more of just a community effort. Um, I've wasted money on some advertisement. A lot of people spend a lot of money on advertisement because they need to. Yeah. Um, for me, it's it's been different. And I don't know if that's really helpful for other people. Where some did you invest those, those dollars for advertising? Local paper or some mm -hmm. mailers back in the day. We do a lot of e-blasting. Mm -hmm. Now everybody's online and we do... Uh, we have a website that's 
concurrent with our schedule that we try to direct people to on our Instagram. We put out a lot of posts. So I think it's just the really the visual that people will see through social media right now. Yeah. I did some in the papers, the local papers here and there, but that wasn't really a big deal. That wasn't too helpful. When you talk about social media, do you mean we're, we're organically posting and sharing content or have you put advertising dollars in on those platforms as well? No, just sharing content. Is there a reason why we haven't advertised on those? It doesn't have really felt like we needed it. Okay, that's fair. That's a good reason not to. So haven't needed to advertise. Go ahead. More of an outreach from just where we are. Yeah. We're not going to pull people from areas uh, like Santa Monica or the Valley area because people come to a gym that's in their neighborhood. Geographically, it doesn't quite make sense. Understood. Yeah. Okay. And so from a, a growth standpoint, are we near where we want to be from a membership level? Is there room to grow or are we somewhat capped out? Uh, there's always room to grow. I'll take more members. I'll have more people in my classes. Some of the classes are full and some of them definitely have room. Um, we're dispersed throughout the day. We're open from six in the morning till nine at night. So people kind of find their time time zone so yeah always looking for growth always upgrading yeah. equipment and throwing out some new classes and advertising that on our social media or through e-blasting right so for sure growth i want to hear a little about the sales process and how people actually sign up for this because my experience and my perspective on the industry at least in the last decade is that the buyer, the client, prospective client, they kind of have this sour taste in their mouth when it comes to signing up for a gym, expecting to get pressured or, or used car salesy techniqued. Take us through kind of a hypothetical sales process of someone interested in joining Malibu Fitness. What happens along the way from, hey, I'm interested to now I'm a, a paying client? My opinion is that when someone actually makes a phone call or especially walks into the gym to figure, check it out, they're just about ready. So the people that are working at the front desk are really friendly and they're usually fitness people themselves. So they have their, their spiel, I want to say, but they believe it like I do. And I think when you really believe in something and you really love a place, then you can sell it. And they show people around, they talk about the different types of memberships and ask questions. I think it's always good to get a little personal and say, what are you looking for? What, are you, what have you been doing? Uh, and talk to them a little bit about the classes and show them around the gym. And Eight out of 10 times, nine out of 10 times, those people join. They might mm. just get a day pass. Okay. And then love it and see friends there and go, oh, you work out here too. So that that's kind of how it morphs. Or they join right away. They join for the year. And then they get hooked and it becomes a habit. There's a, yep. people out here who are really into fitness. The first thing that you said there, I think, is 
tremendously important for not just Malibu, but the U.S. and, and fitness as an industry. When someone's reaching out, they're doing so for a reason. They're in the market. They're shopping for something like this. We need to remember that on the other side of the table and help them be the guide to usher them to where they want to go, not trick them into something that they don't want. It's, it's our role to ease hesitation or to take away that fear of, that a lot of people have when it comes to going into a fitness space like this. Doing this for, for quite some time, Lonnie, I, I'm interested to hear your perspective on what influences the retention of members over time. What do you focus on from your role to keep people coming back? I think a lot of it is feeling out the person that's there. Some people come in, women especially, that are intimidated in the weight room. They don't know what to do, but they know they need to do it. It's time. Mm -hmm. Their back hurts or they've gained weight or they just know they need to do it. So that person at the front desk has to size them up a little bit and says, how about a first time free? We can offer this person to give you a training session and show them around, make them feel comfortable. I teach a women's fitness training group with a group of women during a kind of a lull in the day so they can start getting accustomed to that. So then they feel comfortable and walk up to the dumbbell rack and see all these guys lifting weights and feeling like, I don't know what I'm doing. So it's finding their niche. And sometimes people just need classes. They need to be guided all the time. So we try to put them in there and say, try all these different classes. There's a cardio class, there's a weight training classes. So it's finding their, their area that they're gonna be comfortable, that they're gonna to continue to make changes and feel good. If they can feel good, they're going to feel better. They're going to get the endorphin rush. They're going to get all that. And that's what keeps them getting, coming back. It's like someone that's eating a bag of chips, which isn't so good for them, but it's addictive in that kind of way. The exercise can be that in a healthy way, makes them feel good, and they start seeing the changes they want. So it's finding that niche for them. And most of the people at Mountain Fitness are really friendly. So they feel comfortable. They find other people that aren't, that don't all look amazing if they don't feel so amazing themselves. Right. That makes sense. Zoom out on, on all of this, Lonnie. I mean, we, we explored a little bit about how this came to be and what things look like now from a business standpoint. But as you think about the future, obviously you mentioned 2018, we had a fire. 2020, we had a pandemic. What do you see, and fingers crossed, we don't have anything else coming down the pipeline like that. What do you see as the future of Malibu Fitness? What is, what's the vision of this in your eyes? I see this growth pattern, making some changes as we evolve into learning new things, different equipment, different space. We've changed a lot of things not so many machines these days. So kind of morphing with the industry, knowing what's working and what doesn't work and making sure that teachers are all quality teachers. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Branching out a little bit more into our merchandise as well, because we have a brand of Malibu Fitness Clothing. So okay. we're going to be doing a little bit more as well. And yeah. it just keeps people happy there. 
Now, let me ask you this, because so many gym owners that I talk to never explore the idea of, of exiting or of retirement or stepping back at some point. Do you think there comes a time where you do want to hand this off, even if it's a legacy project for your kids? Is there a time where Lonnie steps back a little bit from the day to day? Yeah, absolutely. And we've been working. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just sold a really long lease, by the way, um, so that my son will be able to take over at one point. And he's yeah. been using it for a few years. He's a fitness instructor and um, he does a lot of work one on one and group fitness, both. And he's learning the business. So, yeah, I, I don't work as much as I used to already. And I'll work less if I want to, but I love to work and I love this business. So I'm, yeah, because I'm getting old. I think this, the conversation is important because so many times I talk to somebody and I'm like, well, what are you going to do when you retire? And the idea, when I retire, I'm never going to retire. And it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like even if we don't have to be financially, we're, we're passionate about it enough to want to still be around in some capacity, even if we're not calling the shots day in and day out. And so I think that's a sign of a successful business, at least in my mind. Yeah, and I'm happy- You're doing what you want to do, you know? I'm happy to hand it over because it is my baby. And, um, you know, if that wasn't going to happen, yeah, I'd sell it if I needed to. If I I wanted to get out. Um, But at this point, I'll I'll work as long as I can. And- and um, if I can relax a little bit more and and have enough to live on, yeah, you know, it, yeah, well, that's a gradual process. We're in the you process. are in the place geared towards relaxing, so it's a it's a decent spot to be in. I, I think I have a good life because I can do the work and then come home and enjoy too. So that's right. That's a pretty good place for us to wrap our conversation up Lonnie but I want to share a minute or two for you to be able to tell people where to find out more about Malibu Fitness what's the website what are the social media links how can people find out more about what you guys do malibufitness.com okay and Malibu Fitness on Instagram that's where you right. most of our action or you come out here and you see it in or take a trip there you go straightforward and simple Lonnie I this has been awesome I I genuinely appreciate your willingness to to share your perspective on all of this even 37 years in what we're still actively trying to tinker and improve day by day and so I I appreciate your time I'm excited to see what the future holds for for you and, and I wish you nothing but the best thank you absolutely to everyone who tuned in thank you as well don't forget if you'd like to be notified about future episodes hit like and subscribe if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business click the link in the description fill it out our team will be in touch and as always until next time jim lords out thank you so much for listening if you found this content valuable here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free one, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.